Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. And a great good afternoon to you and yours on a um, rainy, foggy, miserable type of a day. Typical for a Monday, especially if you're a fan of the 49ers or the Bengals. It's kind of a gloomy kind of a day. If you're a fan of the Eagles and the Chiefs, you are euphoric. And we'll have all of this and much, much more coming your way today, Monday, January 30th, the year 2023. 49ers out, Bengals out, Eagles Chiefs with the Eagles a two-point favorite early on for the Super Bowl in two weeks. My main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite. Inside the game studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're on in Lake Charles on 1041 FM, streaming around the world. 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, you can put a face to the voice because we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. If it weren't for bad luck, there'd be no luck at all for the San Francisco 49ers. Not losing one, not losing two, not losing three, but losing four quarterbacks throughout the course of the season. Two of them in the NFC Championship game and the Eagles with their defensive pressure And their all-around offensive play just put the hammer to the 49ers, 31-7. Both Brock Purdy got hurt very early in the game. Their their fourth-string quarterback came in. He suffered a concussion. Purdy had to come back in. He couldn't throw the football. They had to run it, run it. It was just ridiculous. The Eagles, the best team in the NFC, without question, without doubt. Here's their victorious Head coach Nick Sirianni talking about the defense getting to the 49er quarterbacks. You know, you want to try to make the quarterback feel as uncomfortable as possible um, with everything, what, you know, whether that's the fans and making it loud, whether that's disguising the coverages or whether that's hitting them. And you don't ever want anybody to, you know, to get dinged or, or, or get hurt. And I'm hope he's, I hope he's okay. But it did. It definitely did change the game. Um, you know, but those guys' jobs to hit the quarterback affect the game, and they, they sure did that today. Yes, they did, and they come in um, all guns loaded. That team, top to bottom, is something else. After that, we had the AFC Conference Championship game, and as advertised, it was back and forth and Every time they play, it's like a three-point game. The last three wins by the Bengals were by three points, but revenge was exacted as Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs got the win over the Bengals, 23-20. to Joe Burrow didn't have the greatest of days, but 
They battled back and forth, and then a late hit out of bounds on Pat Mahomes. Moved the ball 15 yards closer to set up the game-winning field goal, and that was all she wrote. Chiefs win it 23-20. to Andy Reid, after the game, talking about, you know, his quarterback, Pat Mahomes, and the magic that he has. It was pure grit, he and Kels. Um, but for Pat to do what he did and then to have that run at the end, uh, I, mean, I can't say enough. He, he is the MVP in my eyes. He's kind of amazing. What a great game uh, by both teams. It lived up to all the billing. It was tremendous drama, and you could just feel the tension in the air. So the Super Bowl is set. It's the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs. We turn to hoops where the UL Ragin' Cajuns rallied from 19 down to beat Georgia Southern 94-87 for their eighth straight win. They're now 18-4 overall, 8-2 in Sunbelt Conference play, tied atop the league with Southern Miss. They have two more games on their four-game homestead. The next one is Thursday when they face Texas State. Bob Marlin after the game, what does a win like that coming from that far behind do for your club? I think it's huge. Uh, I told the staff afterwards, uh, we've lost to these guys four times in a row in this building. Okay. And last year we had about an eight-point lead with about two and a half to go, three to go, and, and let that one go and lost by one, if you remember. So uh, it's huge that we kept the lead. If we would have given this one back after that comeback, that, that could have been damaging. But this team's experienced. They've done a great job focusing. I thought we had a great week of practice, too. Great shooting practice today, and we just came out. We're a little bit flat, and we got punched in the mouth. But instead of us punching and getting a TKO in the first half like we've been doing defensively, today we got knocked to the canvas, and we got back up and won the won the decision. Won the decision in grand style. Meanwhile, the troubles still seem to follow LSU. A 76-68 loss to Texas Tech, a nearly four-minute scoring drought in the second half, killed LSU, who dropped their eighth straight and helped end Texas Tech's eight-game losing skid. Matt McMahon summed up the game this way. Uh, credit to Texas Tech on the win today. Uh, you know, Disappointing loss for our team. I thought there were certainly some areas uh, that were much improved uh, for, our, for our program today. Come out the second half, able to get the lead, go up by five with nine to play. I believe we held them to 10 points the first 11 minutes of the second half uh, and did a good job of, from an execution standpoint. Um, but then just some of the attention to detail, had some breakdowns, uh, missed a free throw box out that led to a three-point play, uh, got us into some foul trouble. And then we weren't able to get stops down the stretch, and we weren't able to knock down shots. So uh, credit to Texas Tech on the win. Second verse, same as the first. It's just not a good basketball team. Are the Smellicans, dare I say, are the Smellicans back? Giannis Antetokounmpo hit 50 in 30 minutes. It was like a layup drill. At shooting better than 75%, bucket after bucket after bucket. And the Pelicans, without Brandon Ingram, without Zion Williamson, without C.J. McCollum, 
dropped their eighth straight, 135 to 110. Now, after being a half a game out of first at one point and time in the season, the Pelicans are now in the eighth spot in the Western Conference at 26 and 25. They're tied percentage-wise with Golden State, Dallas, and the Phoenix Suns. They're a half game ahead of Utah for 10th. They're a game a game ahead of Oklahoma City to be out of the playoffs. Holy cow, the Smelicans. We got to figure it out and figure it out in a hurry. The Los Angeles Chargers have agreed to terms with Kellen Moore to be their new offensive coordinator. The move comes less than 24 hours after the Dallas Cowboys released a statement that said Moore and the team had reached a mutual decision to part ways following an end-of-season review process. Mutually agreed to um, say goodbye, you're fired. The NFL has told its 32 teams that the 2023 salary cap will be a record $224.8 million. This marks an increase of $16.6 million from the 2022 salary cap, which was at $208.2 million. So the price of admission keeps on keeping on. Um, that's good. That's good. Joseph Asai, uh, boy, the penalty that just did in. I don't know if that cost the Bengals the game. Well, that hit certainly cost them from sending the game into overtime. Um, but it happens, and the Chiefs made the field goal, and that's all she wrote. So tough times for that young man. You just feel, you just feel terrible for him. Um just a tough, 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 tough break, without question, without doubt. Um, Rory McIlroy won another golf tournament to start his new season, topping his rival, Patrick Reed, to win the Dubai Desert Classic title after a, man, a thrilling final round. Um, he rolled in a birdie putt from about 15 feet at number 18 for a four under 68. That left him one stroke clear of Reed, who shot a 65. And on the tennis front, Novak Djokovic won the Australian Open again for Grand Slam title number 22. Ties himself now with Rafael Nadal. At 23 wins is Serena Williams. And at 24 is Margaret Court. So um, Novak Djokovic gets it done yet again. Those are some of your headlines of the day. Our guest list today, we'll talk a lot of NFL football in this hour. Chris Rosevaglu will join us as our NFL analyst. Um, the latest on Sean Payton, it certainly appears more and more likely that he might be heading back to the Fox broadcasting table. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Chris's thoughts on both championship games to get his early thoughts on the Super Bowl. In hour number two, Glenn West uh, from Go247 Sports, the woes and begos of LSU's men's basketball team. Patrick Wright will join us at about 3.15 to preview tonight's huge matchup between Kim Mulkey's LSU Tigers and the Tennessee Volunteers. Both teams 8-0 and in SEC play, so a lot on the line. And then Ali Cassell, are the Smellicans back? We'll talk to him as well. It's all coming your way after this first time out here 
today. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The game is throwing you something far better than some cheap plastic beads this Mardi Gras. That's right. You could score a $500 Visa gift card. Just download the game mobile app, open the app, and click on the Mardi Gras Moolah tab. And you're on your way to winning a $500 Visa gift card. It's the game's Mardi Gras Moolah sweepstakes. Download the app, win money. It's just that simple, and it's all from the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we're back 17 minutes after the hour. There are two teams left. It's the Philadelphia Eagles representing the NFC and the Kansas City Chiefs representing the AFC in the upcoming Super Bowl. Let's talk about all things NFL, including what's the latest on Sean Payton with our good friend who uh, is part of the Brute Crew media crew, Mr. Chris Roseverglue. Chris, good afternoon, buddy. How are you? I'm good, Jordy. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. Always great to see you, my friend. I, I greatly appreciate it. Let, let's start with, um, golly, the Eagles versus the 49ers. If any team had more bad luck than the 49ers when it comes to the most important position on the field, you got to find them and prove it to me. My goodness gracious, Brock Purdy goes down, then Josh Johnson, the fourth-string quarterback, goes down. Heck, they had Christian McCaffrey throw a pass in this one. Um, Eagles are pretty good. Uh, they really are. And, you know, it, it, the crazy thing to me, um, the Brock Purdy injury on the play where it happens, for some weird reason, San Francisco early was so, you know, focused on getting their tight ends matched up against Hassan Reddick. And I couldn't understand it because this is a guy who had 16 sacks during the regular season. And that was just confusing me. Now, I totally agree. The 49ers, when it comes to injury luck, uh, there's not much luck to it. You know, Trey Lance down in week two. Jimmy Garoppolo goes down in the beginning of December. Obviously, Brock Purdy goes down. And then to your point, you can't even have the fourth string guy in before he gets a concussion after about 20 minutes of playing. And uh, it really is a situation where it's such bad luck. And it actually brings up the question where, you know, a lot of people like to talk about who's starting for the 49ers next year. I don't know the answer to that question, but they better make sure they have three to four quarterbacks ready to go next season with the way this one played out. Uh, but yeah, the Eagles, just a fantastic overall team. What they do defensively, they overwhelm you. Their ability to run the football at will is just fantastic. And the the thing for me is they're doing all this right now with a quarterback that you can tell is not at 100%. And yeah. get two weeks off, maybe that helps him for the Super Bowl. Uh, we maybe have not seen the best of the Eagles yet. I mean, Hurts... 15 of 25 for a very pedestrian 121 yards, but no turnovers there. Uh, and, and you're right. They had um, three guys, you know, Gainwell, Sanders, Hertz, and uh, Boston Scott. They all averaged about 3.5, 3.6 yards a carry. They just kind of methodically took care of business, and and uh, they came away with a very convincing win. I feel for the 49ers. I really do. They couldn't even – Heck, they had to put Purdy back in. He couldn't even throw the ball. And that, that after going four for four on the initial drive. So who knows how this would have turned out if the injury bug hadn't hit. But the Eagles, all year long, right? Um, heck, if Hurts doesn't get hurt, they may only lose one game this year. Uh, they've proven all year long they're, they're going to be tough to beat. Yeah, and this could last for a while in the sense that 
you know, even if they do pay Jalen Hurts this offseason, I expect them to give him a big contract. That number doesn't really kick in until 2024. So they have the the flexibility to next year retain a lot of their key guys if they want to, not worry about a huge cap number. And, you know, I know Saints fans probably aren't going to like to hear this. The team that made the Super Bowl has two first round picks in this upcoming draft. So a lot of, you know, they have the chance to, if they really want to, make some really nice business decisions where, is a guy getting older? Do we want to replace him with a young talent? Or do we want to move these first-round picks to get future assets because we feel like we're stocked up right now? They have options, and that's kind of a testament to Howie Roseman and what he's built there over the last couple of seasons. Both of these games, the pressure on the quarterback. Hassan Reddick with two sacks. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson with uh, two tackles, three assists. So CJ uh, thrilled that uh, that he's out there playing for, for the Eagles. Um, meanwhile, in the... AFC championship game. My goodness gracious. So many things to talk about. Chiefs win it 23 to 20. When when you sum up this game, how do you do it? You know, it's tough because I think, you know, on one hand, I know that a lot of fans are bringing up the officiating today, and I think that's a fair thing to talk about. And I've always said, uh, you know, I think fans would be a little less aggravated with the officiating issues if we had kind of press conferences for officials that we could all kind of see kind of like when a head coach goes to the podium or a player goes to the podium and kind of talks. And I know they do the pool report, but it's never really the same thing. But the main takeaway I've had from this game uh, was Patrick Mahomes greatness just sometimes can't be measured. And they lose three wide receivers due to injury in that game. There's one of their starting cornerbacks goes down in the first quarter. They're banged up. They get 26 rushing yards from their leading rusher. So no help of a run game. You know, he's on a bad ankle and, he just makes the plays that matter. And there were certain throws he made in this game that even on an injured ankle, I don't think any other quarterback's going to make his ability to kind of slide up in the pocket, put all the weight on the other ankle while he jumps up and just rifles it down the field to Valdez Scantling on a pinpoint pass where the coverage was great and it still gets there. And he's the type of player that sometimes, you know, we like to talk about the shiny new toys and rightfully so the Jalen Hurts of the world, the Joe Burrows, the Justin Herberts, the Josh Allen's, they're all fantastic quarterbacks and I don't take anything away from them, but it felt like that was a little bit of a reminder of Mahomes to the rest of the league. Like I'm still the, the guy when yeah. you, when you make the list, you got to start it with Patrick Mahomes. Chris Rose glue with us and, and let's get down to it. Look, since he as good as they were against Buffalo with their offensive line, Against Kansas City, they allowed five sacks. Um, Chris Jones looked like he was all world in that one. Um, Twelve tackles for loss. Joe Burrow threw two interceptions. Very easily, Chris could have been four. And then the the hit late uh, on Mahomes uh, was about as blatant as you can can get. So I mean, it is what it is. The fact that since he was in it that late just kind of shows you their grit. So I tip my cap to the Bengals. It's just, as you mentioned, Mahomes did what Mahomes did, and uh, they made the field goal at the end, and that's all she wrote. Yeah, and, and, you know, for you mentioned Chris Jones. It felt like every time there was a big play from that Chiefs defense, you could have put money on it being Chris Jones or Frank Clark. Yeah. They just yeah. had their way with that Bengals offensive line. And, you know, you mentioned the, the penalty late. It, it was a clear late hit. They have to call that. There's no complaint there um, for me, that's for sure. You know, what was fascinating was as bad as the Bengals struggled at times, and you mentioned the two interceptions, when they convert that third and 16 towards the end of the game, about two and a half minutes left, right then and there, I'm kind of thinking, oh boy, I think, you know, this might be the Bengals moment to go down the field. And you said as good as the O-line was last week, and it was against Buffalo, they couldn't hold up. And and look, I think the world of Joe Burrow, although he didn't have his finest hour, of course, but... 
Sometimes it's tough when you don't have that protection, and we saw that. But, you know, the Bengals had two chances in the fourth quarter, and both drives in that quarter really just weren't up to their standards. And, you know, they had some big plays to T. Higgins. They had some big plays to Jamar Chase. But they're going to look back at this, and, and you kind of hope that after a second year of going, you know, as far as you can and, and ultimately coming up short, they do address that O-line. Because at some point, we have to ask the question, how long is Joe Burrow's prime going to be? If he does get sacked right. five, six, seven times right. in primetime games, it feels like it happens all too often. They just couldn't run the football. Joe Mixon, eight carries for 19 yards. Uh, uh, Perrine, five for 20. Joe Burrow led him with 30 yards on the ground. I thought I thought the fact they couldn't get a running game going really, really hurt Burrow. Joe had to throw it 41 times. Uh, again, just kind of a testament for them to be there and to be that close Um and, and let's be honest, I know people are complaining, and it, it wasn't a good look for officiating, both in the NBA with that Boston Celtic, L.A. Laker, LeBron no-call uh, at the end, and then this game. There, there were a lot of questionable questionable calls there, uh, you know. That, but they're human beings, right? It is what it is. It is, and, you know, I think it would be a, a little bit more frustrating had – those calls being the one that cost the Bengals. You know, I've seen a lot of debate today. You know, some people talking about, was that the worst officiated game? Obviously, the, the Saints bias in me says no. Obviously, no. The, the 2018 season with the NFC Championship game would be far worse. But the Bengals had their opportunities. And, and I think that's what I go down to. And, you know, I actually spoke about this with Eli Manning early mo- uh, today in the morning. I had a, a fun chat with him. And, and I asked him about the game. And I said, do you think, uh, do you think the officiating is an issue? And he goes, what are they not going to call Patrick Mahomes getting kind of tossed when he's clearly out of bounds? Like you have to call it. So yeah. I agree with you at the end of the day, they are human. I think the Celtics Lakers thing actually might be a bit more egregious in terms of <laughs> far more <laughs> obvious than they're not yeah. calling it. Uh, yeah. But I, you know, in a magnitude game like this where all eyes are on, I, I definitely can see why there's an uproar. Although I think it's a bit exaggerated. I think the play that people are complaining about the most is the third down um, where the Bengals held them, and then they took the play off. Instead of it being fourth down, they gave the Chiefs another third down opportunity. It didn't amount to anything because Mahomes got sacked on the play, but people were just going nuts about that one. Yeah, and and to your point, though, you know, we could be a little bit more enraged about it if, you know, the Chiefs went down and scored. Bengals defense, you know, although they had to basically, you know, go against a third and nine two times in a row, they did what they had to do. They got off the field when it mattered. So uh, I do think that when it's all said and done, we'll let you know Monday kind of settle in. And by the end yeah. of the week, I think people will forget about it. it, it we've seen far worse. You and me Absolutely. know. Absolutely. Yeah, look, they can call holding on every play, and the game would last eight hours, uh, and there'd be no offense. So that it's, it's kind of selective opinion on what's holding, what's not, how does it affect the play, how does it not affect the play. It's just all up to the person who is a human being. So, so we shall um, – we, we'll let that one pass. If you don't mind, stick around, Chris, because I want your early Super Bowl preview, your thoughts on the Eagles versus the Chiefs, and I want want the latest thoughts on Sean Payton. Looks like the Chargers found an offensive coordinator real quick and much, much more after we take this timeout. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We're brought to you by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. If you can't ShopRite at ShopRite, man, I'm telling you, you just can't ShopRite at all. Buy Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. 
by Eon of Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches. It's a perfect Valentine's gift, guys. Louisiana Lottery, you can't win until you start playing. DC's Little Capital Exxon with their true soul food deli home of the best cheeseburger your mouth has ever tasted by Cajun Chef. Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef hot sauce and by the Aesthetic Medicine and Anti-Aging Clinic of Louisiana. Get back in the game with hormone replacement therapy. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 33 minutes after the hour as we continue our conversation with uh, Chris Rosevaglu of Boot Crew Media Super Bowl 57 coming up Sunday, February 12th with a 5.30 kickoff from State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona with Rihanna as the halftime entertainment. All right, um, two weeks, Chris. Uh, Boy, if there's a team that needs some time off to get healthy, it's the Kansas City Chiefs. Not only their quarterback, but as you mentioned earlier, uh, a trio of wide receivers got hurt. So um, Chiefs need some time to mend and heal. Yeah, they absolutely do. McCole Hardman injured, Juju Smith-Schuster injured. Uh, just a lot of injuries on that side of the ball. And and you watched late in the game, a lot of practice squad players out there. Rookie Sky Moore, who had a, a really tough first year, although the kid came up with such a clutch punt return late in the game. Uh, that's not the group they want to go into the final game of the season with. And I think they'll get healthy. McCole Hardman already told reporters that he's going to be a full go for the Super Bowl. So that's obviously a great sign there. But they're going to absolutely need it because you're going up against an Eagles secondary that has loads of talent. Darius Slade, James Bradbury, obviously C.J. Garner-Johnson, what he's been able to do. And if Mahomes is going to have that showcase that gets him his yeah. second ring already, they're going to need to be able to throw on that Philly secondary, especially knowing that that pass rush can wear down on teams. Chris, I don't know how you stop Philadelphia's offense. Great offensive line. Their, their ball handling skills and the, and the talent. that I don't know how you stop them. It's, look, it's something that no one's been able to do. And, and you think that you know even when Gardner Minshew was in there, I know they struggled against the Saints, but I look back at you know, the, the game against Dallas, and Dallas has a very good defense in their own right. Yeah. They scored over 30 in that game too. It's yeah. just that offense just keeps on humming. And you know, I look back at yesterday's game against the 49ers. I thought in the first half, for the most part, the Niners' defense was okay. And then those last seven minutes of the second quarter, it just felt like the, the Eagles just break your will between their ability to run the football, the fact that their offensive linemen, that that crew is just, they maul people God, they in the did. run game. And whether it's Kenneth Gainwell, whether it's Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, they're, don't get me wrong, they are shifty running backs. They are versatile players. But the holes that they're running through are just so massive because they're such a physical team and they know their identity. They know what they want to do. And if if Kansas City is going to keep this close, if Kansas City is going to win this game, I think, A, you have to make sure that Philly turns into a passing team because that run game really wears down on you. Yeah. And you're also going to need to put up points. And I think the thing that I go back to, and, and I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing for Philly, it's a good thing that they made the Super Bowl with the route being, can you get past Daniel Jones and then can you get past the 49ers quarterback room that had no options left? That's obviously a positive. But I'm also curious on the flip side of it. Has that defense really been tested yet in the playoffs? They certainly will against Patrick Mahomes. And 
I, I think you kind of the, the way you got to do is you got to kind of win a shootout, but you got to make sure it's a passing affair because the Eagles want to chew out the clock. They want to run the football and keep Mahomes on the sidelines as long as possible. Chris, if you were writing a story, what's the better, um, more interesting storyline to you? The Andy Reid Super Bowl, since he coached so many years at Philly, now he's coaching with the Chiefs, or is it the first time you got two brothers playing against one another in the Super Bowl, the Kelsey Super Bowl? What's what's more tantalizing to you? You know, I think the the storyline for me that I'm more intrigued by is is Andy Reid because. He never really got it done in terms of winning the big one in Philly, but he was so close so many yeah. times. And yeah. Philly fans were in that weird spot where you obviously have a lot of love for Andy Reid, but there also is that just why it didn't happen, right? You know, Doug Peterson made it happen. Nick Sirianni's away, uh, went away from making it happen. And there's always those questions. So I'm always looking at that storyline where they might say all the right things, but there is some hard feelings on it just never went down in the, in the city of brotherly love where I look at the two Kelsey brothers. First off, they are just world-class athletes that I know Travis will be a hall of famer, but man, J- Jason's got a, a, you know, a heck of a resume too, where he's going to have an argument for himself when the time comes. And uh, I think there's nothing but love there. And, and both of them have been such integral parts of their teams. They both have a ring already. So I'm looking at that Andy Reid one, and, and another storyline that I think just makes this so exciting is I remember if we go back to last year's draft, a lot right. of talk about is Jalen Hurts the quarterback for the Eagles? If And if he's not, well, they do have two first-round picks next year. They could package them up. They can figure it out. They can trade for someone. Should they be in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes? They stick with Jalen Hurts, and uh, I, I think they're doing pretty fine at that, at that position, not just for right now, but for the foreseeable future. What a season he's had, an MVP caliber year in, in a season where people said, is he even the guy? And he answered that question. First time in Super Bowl history, two um, African-American quarterbacks will be starting. It's for the second time in their careers that they've faced one another. Uh, but this time, Mahomes and Hurts a lot more on the line. Um why do you think Philly has opened up as a favorite in this one? You know, sometimes I think it just goes down to better roster, better overall team. And and I'm, you know, it's not a hot take to say the Chiefs have the better quarterback. I think everyone would rightfully say Patrick Mahomes is the better quarterback in this game. But you look at receivers, I'd go advantage Philly with Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. Uh, you look at that running game, advantage Philly. I look at the pass rush, advantage Philly. The ability to force turnovers, also advantage Philly. Uh, there's so many things that they do well and that roster is absolutely loaded and i think for kansas city they have the championship pedigree they have an ex- you know outstanding quarterback we know what andy reed brings to the table we know what travis kelsey brings to the table but you know there are still questions about who's going to step up in the big game where philly's roster it's kind of a who's who right now and, and who's not going to step up because they're all playing big roles so i think that line kind of makes sense to me with the fact that the eagles do have the better roster but you give the chiefs respect in the sense that hey it's patrick mahomes and, and i don't know a lot of people that want to bet against that guy he is chris roseville um let's get away from that for a minute sean payton was on the fox set on sunday and um, was interviewed and asked about the coaching search. He said, quote, it's been a busy week, a great week. We've had a chance to visit with a lot of great owners, a lot of outstanding organizations that are obviously looking for a reboot. I think with the way the coaching hiring process has changed this year, we're seeing it play out a little longer for these clubs. And I think there's more pressure on everyone who's covering it. I think it's a good thing because they're allowing teams to get to the right candidates. I believe, I think in the next week, we're going to know a lot more. There's a handful of things that still are taking place for these coaches and myself. Okay. Indianapolis, um, uh, excuse me, uh, Carolina's already hired Frank Reich. Um, 
Indianapolis didn't even interview Peyton. Houston reportedly locked in on D'Amico Ryans and the Broncos. Well, we don't know. It seems to me that it's Arizona or bust. How do you feel about this Sean Payton saga? It's it's one of those where if you asked me about 48 hours ago, I'd actually have a little bit more optimism about Sean Payton, Arizona than I would at the moment because the weird thing, the way this whole play, thing plays out, he had a really long interview with them, and there was a lot of optimism in terms of he really hit it off with ownership. And that's obviously what you want to hear because you want Sean to be able to sell it to the Cardinal and say, hey, we you need me, and and maybe a deal works out. But what I find fascinating is this Monday, the Cardinals have already requested three different interviews. Um, they've requested an interview with the Bengals defensive coordinator they've with their offensive coordinator as well, Brian Callahan. They requested yeah. an interview with the Giants offensive coordinator, Mike Kafka. That just came out about a half hour ago. Hmm. Um, and, and my question is, if you are locked in on Sean Payton, do you go out and request three other interviews? Uh, I don't know. That, that just seems a little off to me. I know that the Arizona, they still have a lot of interest in Sean, but – it seems like they're not so sure they're going to be able to get him because it works both ways. You know, Sean's got to be sold on Arizona, and I don't know if that's the case yet at this moment. And another guy who's in that mix for the Arizona job is former Dolphins coach Brian Flores, who continues to linger around. I'm not saying he'll get the job, but he's someone who's high on their radar. And, I, you know, I really don't know. What would be more fascinating to me right now is the Broncos reportedly wanted D'Amico Ryans. He seems like he's going to the Texans, kind of a nice reunion there. They also like Dan Quinn. He's going back to Dallas. Right. If you're the Broncos. Do you look around? It's like, man, Sean, whatever you want, please just let us know. We got to figure this out because if they if the Broncos fail to get Sean Payton, Dan Quinn, and D'Amico Ryan's, they can sell their fans on whatever they want, but the coach that they would get would be their fourth option. And that's a very tough sell after a year that they had where their quarterback didn't live up to expectations. They had to fire a first-year head coach. So that's why I'm not going to close the door yet and say, hey, it's, you know, it's just Arizona or nothing because – I don't think you're going to find a more desperate team than Denver. They have to figure this out. But I, I find it interesting because I really thought the Cardinals were a, a, a spot that could happen for Sean Payton. But why all the interviews all of a sudden? That that seems to kind of send mixed messages. I, I wonder Sean Payton's going, well, Kyler Murray, it's being reported. He's going to miss half the season. So who's the quarterback going to be? Do they draft a quarterback? I mean, what, what, what do they do? They got so much money tied up with – Kyler Murray, just like Denver has so much money tied up with Russell Wilson. I wonder if that's a factor at all. I, you know, I think for both situations, it has to be. And I think for the, the Broncos situation, maybe the fact that you got to play Mahomes and Justin Herbert twice a year, maybe that factors into it. But for the Cardinals, it, it's a fair point because, you know, I, I think if let's say a Saints Cardinals trade were to happen, I wouldn't imagine New Orleans would get the number three pick. They'd probably get a 2024 right. first, but that 2024 first could be a good pick if Kyler Murray's missing six, seven, maybe eight games of the season. So I totally understand it. And if Sean Payton doesn't feel like this is the quarterback that he wants to be married to for the next four to five years, that also brings up the point. But it's what's so fascinating to me is regardless of what Sean Payton says about what jobs are opening up, how the hiring process goes, we all know that he wants to coach at some point this year, next year, whenever it happens, he wants to be back on the sidelines. He's made that abundantly clear, but if he doesn't like the jobs this year, there's really no certainty next year the jobs open up that he that you know he really does want because it's the NFL. You know, we all love to say a month or two ago that maybe the Cowboys opens up or maybe the Chargers open up, but you know, it sometimes stuff doesn't work out that way. And when he went to New Orleans, it wasn't the most perfect situation in the world. So I, I am I'm fascinated to see how this plays out. I do think he is right, though. We'll find out in the next I'd say in the next three to four days if Sean Payton is going to come back to coach, and if not. We're going to have to do this whole uh, song and dance next year.
you know, my theory, I've said this before, I'll say it again. The Saints, um, Sean Payton goes back to broadcasting. The Saints, I mean, they, they, they kind of stand pat. They don't have much they can do to get the right quarterback. So they tank. They get the number one pick. They get Caleb Williams from USC, and they bring Sean Payton back to coach the quarterback he's always wanted to coach. How about that? I mean, that's a that's a fun fan theory I've seen around. It's been floated <laughs> out there, and uh, it puts a smile on my face when I hear it. It sounds great <laughs> to me, but, um, man, that, that seems so far away. But It, it is so funny, far you know, yeah. Because you said that's the type of guy that teams – they have to switch the NFL draft around because teams tank for him and maybe you need a lottery system. So it's, it's worth talking about in, 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 in fun gestures. It's fun. It, that's absolutely. Um, if you had to place a, 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 a beer bet on the Super Bowl, who are you picking? You know, weirdly enough, I talked about how good the Eagles are, and, and I think they're the best team. There's something about Mahomes that I just, I just feel like this is going to be his year again. And I think that game on the line, who do I trust more? as good as Jalen Hurts has been this year, I still have questions about is if his shoulder's 100%. He said, he admitted he's not 100% shoulder-wise. And, you know, teams haven't been able to exploit that. They haven't been able to put the Eagles in a position where they need to be in a shootout. The Chiefs have the capabilities of doing that. And I think that Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, they're going to come up big late in the game. And I think Mahomes and Andy Reid are going to get their second ring. You take Philadelphia out, out of Philadelphia this time of the year. They're going to that nice climate out there in Arizona. Ooh, we shall see. That home field in, in Philly is pretty significant, as it is in, in, in you know, no longer Burrowhead. Uh, it's definitely Arrowhead. So we'll see. I think, it's, uh, I think it'll be fascinating. I just feel for the 49ers, man. Uh, who? Uh, God, I mean, what do you do, right? It's just so, so sad. You'd like to go out on your own terms with yeah. your, you know, your quarterback out there. It's it's so tough. And and I, you know, George Kittle's press conference is one of those where you feel for him. You know, he's talking about uh, how does it feel to play in a game where you don't have a quarterback? He's like, yeah. well, you know, it, it's a crappy situation. And it is. And I, and I feel for him. And I feel for a lot of those guys. You feel like you, you know, you sit there and you grind from July all the way to January. And for what? To not have a quarterback in yeah. the big game. That's tough. That's crazy. Four quarterbacks through the course of the year. Four. I thought the Saints had it bad a year ago. Um, this is even worse for a really good team. Chris Rose for Glue Boot Crew Media. You are top shelf, man. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Jordy. All right, we'll take. Uh, we'll be back to wrap up our number one after this timeout. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Valentine's Day right around the corner. If you need some help, the help you need can be found inside the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort or a $50 gift certificate to Richard's Seafood Patio in Abbeville. About a $40 gift card to Misfits Dine and Drink in Broussard. And a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. You can only score these great prizes to help you with Valentine's Day by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. 
Don't agree with what Jordy has to say? Not to worry. He's always open to a healthy debate. Well, Dean, I'm, I'm glad that you asked that Actually, question. Actually, I'd like to jump in and take that one, Jimmy, if you don't mind. Have at it, Hoss. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111. Now back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 51 minutes after the hour as we uh, put a little um, finishing touches to this first hour. We're jam-packed in hour number two. Uh, Top-ranked LSU baseball. Um, less than three weeks away from the season opener, and the accolades keep on pouring in. Four Tigers received 2023 preseason All-American recognition from Baseball America magazine. Dylan Cruz, the junior center fielder, junior right-handed pitcher, and utility player Paul Skeens were voted to the first-team All-American squad. Junior first baseman Trey Morgan, sophomore third baseman Tommy White were granted second-team All-American honors. LSU leads the nation with four All-American selections there. Um, Perfect game came out with theirs, and... um, Skeens, Tommy White, and Dylan Cruz all on the first team of this one. So um, they're loaded. Now can they can they take it and put it on the field like everybody expects them to do? They had um, scrimmages Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, we talked about uh, the biggest position battle is looks like second base between Jack Merrifield, Ben Nipolt, Lake Charles Finest, um, with Gavin Duga and Gavin Guidry. So uh, we'll see who holds down that. And, and you know, everybody's talking about Cruz and White and Skeens, and, and deservedly so. But don't forget about that kid, Trey Morgan. Um, he, he was a freshman All-American. Um, his batting average dropped to 324. Dropped to 324 uh, last season, but he was clutch in the biggest, most critical situations. I remember the Hattiesburg Regional where he hit 412 with a double, six RBIs, a run, batted 500 in the Vanderbilt series with four doubles, three ribbies, five runs, uh, clutch inning, and his defense at first base was spectacular. So Trey Morgan kind of, Waiting in the weeds a little bit. Hmm. Yeah. So did you know, believe it or not, that um, we're two days away from National Signing Day? We haven't even talked about it. There's no targets to to basically talk about. Um, And this is the way of the world now. Brian Kelly and his staff um, met their needs in December. Uh, Chicago defensive lineman Jamel Howard is still on the list. He visited Miami this weekend, and we'll see what happens uh, on Wednesday. But the D-line appears to be in good shape with or without. So LSU setting all their sights on 2024 and maybe the portal once spring football is, uh, is out of the way. So what a job they have done. What a job. Amazing. Um, so 2024 is where the sites are set. And they've, uh, they had a couple who visited this weekend. Um, and 
LSU keeping the lines of com- communication open for these kids. It's all about recruiting, man. That's that's all, all, all about. Um, coming up, hour number two of the program, Glenn West will join us. We'll talk about LSU football recruiting. We'll talk about the challenges facing this LSU basketball team. They just can't figure out a way. They, they shoot the ball better, but they turn the ball over too much. They still get beat on the boards, and their defense lack, lacks uh, in the last games. Some days, it's just the opposite. They can't find any consistency. A team that's very fragile um, emotionally, obviously, has got to figure out a way. Got to figure out a way. So we'll talk with Glenn about that. Huge ball game tonight in Pete's Palace as Kim Mulkey's um, LSU Tigers uh, back on the hardwood against a very, very good Tennessee team. Both are 8 and O. Oh in SEC play. The Vols were picked to finish second in the SEC behind South Carolina. LSU was picked third in the league. So um, you might say, well, what's their six Tennessee 16 and seven and not ranked because of their, their seven losses were all against top 25 schools. The latest team that they lost to was UConn. Uh, and that was a 17 point loss in Knoxville. So, and that was on Thursday. LSU hasn't played as tough a schedule, but that was done on purpose by Kim Mulkey. They're rolling over people. Their average margin of victory in a 20-0 start is 36 points a night. That is crazy. It's 25 points in SEC play. So expect another tough battle tonight from a very, very good team. Uh, It's a whiteout. There are maybe a few standing room-only tickets there so we'll see all right hour number two coming your way here on the jordy helper show on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles we'll be back live and local this is the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station open for the end zone it's a saints touchdown it's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. It's our number two of two, and away we go. It's two teams headed to Arizona for the Super Bowl, the Kansas City Chiefs in a 23-20 win over the Cincinnati Bengals and the Philadelphia Eagles in a 31-7 route of the we've-got-no-quarterbacks left, San Francisco 49ers. UL has won eight straight ball games. Bob Marlin's crew with a 94-87, 19-point come-from-behind victory over Georgia Southern. They're tied for first in the Sunbelt Conference, while the LSU men's basketball team has lost again eight straight losses for them, this time a 76-68 loss to Texas Tech in the Big 12 SEC challenge of which the Big 12 dominated, winning that one seven games to three. Um, And Texas Tech ended their eight-game losing streak, and the Pelicans are really, really struggling. Uh, They have they have dropped now to to eighth place in the um, in the Western Conference, and. Giannis hit 50 points in 30 minutes. We are efforting to get uh, Glenn West on. Let's give him a call, um, please. And uh, 
he is ready to roll. So the Pels um, got beat 135 to 110. So not so good for the Pelicans. Good for the Cajuns. Not good for the LSU Tigers. Glenn West is with us now um, from uh, all things LSU. Go two four seven sports. Glenn, good afternoon, sir. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Jordy. How are you? I am terrific, man. Um, seems like with LSU basketball, um, Matt McMahon's club, either they play some good defense, but they can't shoot it, or they shoot it pretty well, and then they can't defend. They turn the ball over. It's just it's just one of those it's just one of those things. It's one of those years. How do you sum it up? Yeah, so it's been a game of stretches, I think, for LSU recently. They just kind of they show glimpses of being able to maybe dig themselves out of what is kind of giving them so many issues, and then they don't score the ball for the next eight and a half minutes of the game yeah. against uh, against Texas Tech on Saturday, which was just really alarming and concerning. I mean, Texas Tech is not exactly at the forefront of the Big 12 this year, and uh yeah, LSU just couldn't put the ball in the basket in the last nine minutes of that game. They scored one field goal uh, over the final nine minutes. They had a couple free throws. Um, but, I mean, that was a winnable game, and you let it kind of slip through your fingers there. And, you know, I think when you're when you're on a losing streak like this and you're just there just doesn't seem to be a way out, you know. Yeah. And you, until you get that first win, uh, you really just are kind of in – in a dead zone. I mean, there's just really no other way to put it other than the fact that they're just not a very good offensive team right now. And defensively, they've really slipped up in the last couple of weeks. And that's what's led to some of these blowouts. I was out of town doing a game. Um, what's the attendance been like lately? Not bad. Not bad, actually. Okay. It's been, uh, I, I would say probably just over 60% around okay. there. 65 percent the students came out uh you know pretty well on saturday for the for the game and uh yeah that, that's been pretty consistent i would say i must say it hasn't really dropped off it's been it hadn't been full capacity but it certainly hasn't been uh kind yeah. of the, the last year of johnny jones yeah it could <laughs> that was, be that was a rough year <laughs> yeah, it could be a lot worse no question about that so um boy the sec took it on a chin didn't they in the big 12 challenge my goodness gracious yeah yeah, man, Alabama uh, was Woo. a big upset loss. I mean, that I mean, they've they've been kind of teetering on a loss for a little bit now, and uh, yeah, they 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 dropped a big one. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, I, I can't I can't remember exactly what the schedule was, but I think Tennessee lost too, and and there was a number of losses in in, in the SEC, and I think they pretty much, uh, yeah, got decimated by in the Big Twelve chant in the big SEC yeah. Big Twelve challenge. It's the last one of those uh, for. A right. while I would guess. I mean, now that's going to be the ACC and the yep. SEC next year, and so uh, we'll see how the, how how that goes because <laughs> ACC's got some big boys too. Big Twelve wins at seven to three. The only SEC teams to win were Missouri, um, Mississippi State, and Tennessee. Tennessee, Tennessee beat Texas 80, 82-71. but yep. um, I mean, Kansas beat Kentucky by nine. Oklahoma's my my boy, my poor boy Kermit Davis. He's gone. Um, Oklahoma State beat Ole Miss 82-60. So, so here we go. When you look at LSU's schedule, do you see do you see a win somewhere down the pipeline? Uh, I, it's going to be tough. I mean, Missouri is playing well this yeah. year, um, and Alabama. Those are the two next on this on the schedule this week. I, I mean, Mississippi State at home against A and M next week. I mean, that could be an avenue where LSU maybe scratches in the win column, but. 
I mean, this is just a team right now that's just so out of sorts that yeah. you – at this point, I wouldn't be surprised whatever happens in these games. I mean, they – desperately need a win and uh i'm just the only surprising thing would be if they were to beat alabama at home this weekend i think that would be a a pretty big shocker if they were able to yeah. upset a top five yeah. six alabama team uh, on saturday but don't don't bank on that happening no it would be probably the only surprising thing to happen uh, only easy. one i see is coming up february 18th when they host south carolina yeah yeah, That's what I, I I don't think they can beat Alabama. They're not going to beat Missouri on the road. Mississippi State on the road. Uh-uh. A&M's a really good team coming in here. Georgia on the road, possibly. But what has LSU done on the road this year? And then South Carolina's a bad team, but so was Texas Tech. So I'm hoping, right? I'm hoping yep. against hope. You can hope. Yep. But, uh, <laughs> just until it happens, you can't really think it's going to. So uh, that's it's just been a – it's been a real sore spot and why I think a lot of people are uh, kind of hopping over to see what the women are up to because they are uh, every bit as good as what they've uh, you know proven to be early in the year. I've got Patrick Wright coming on after you to talk about that. Um, it's two days away from National Signing Day and it's all quiet on the Western Front. There's nothing, right? Yeah, no, not much. I mean, I think that's a good thing if you're LSU because um, they 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 did a lot of great work here in the in the first early signing period. That's kind of when a lot of the stuff uh, gets done nowadays is during the December signing period. And LSU brought in 25 new players, so uh, don't think there's anything imminent. There's a defensive tackle that they're kind of in the mix for. Not sure if that's going to uh, happen or not, but. Um, that that is really the only movement I could see happening with the rest of the freshman class. I think they they feel pretty confident and secure with where they're at. I think they finished around number five or number six uh, on our twenty four seven sports rankings. So uh, another uh, another really good haul for Brian Kelly. And you know the eleven transfers they brought in is number one in the country as well. So you're certainly going to get uh, a lot of players playing early. And um, I think a, a, the good thing about the transfers they brought in is a lot of those guys. We'll be here for a couple of years and they'll be able to develop in the program. Yeah. Uh, it seems like all the attention is what you mentioned on Kim Mulkey's women's team who goes for 21 straight tonight against Tennessee and LSU baseball, who is yep. less than three weeks away. Did you happen by chance to go watch anything that was taken on at the box over the weekend? So we were there on Friday for media days and right. I stayed a little bit to watch some BP was planning on getting out there on Saturday, couldn't do it because of the basketball game, and then right. Sunday got rained out. So I'm actually right. going to head over there today after we get off the call. So yeah, I think that 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 to me is I'm in the I'm in full baseball mood now. So I'm uh, <laughs> I'm very much looking forward to getting to cover this team. We got a chance to talk with a number of the players and Coach Johnson uh, on Friday, and there's genuine excitement around this group they're number one in the re in the in a number of preseason polls for a reason uh just talent uh just everywhere i mean just uh one of the deepest pitching staffs i think you'll see in the country uh, a position group of players that are uh really mixed and, and, and versatile in the way they play and 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 can pretty much do it all so i think it, it's going to be a great year for baseball and i think a lot of people are excited about it i think that i don't have any doubt about them hitting um, I wonder defensively how they are, and yeah. I wonder how you know we talk. You talk about a, a very deep, deep pitching staff, but how many studs do they have? You know how many guys? Right. Here it is. I like the staff when 
back in the day when LSU was like, uh, why don't you pitch on Friday? And uh, next week we'll put you there. You know, they had so many studs that would pitch. Yeah. And that's what I'm curious to see. Because if they get that, forget about it. So I think that's a really good point you brought up. And, and it's probably more, uh, I guess, aligned with the position group players. Because I think there are a lot of position groups, uh, whether it's second base or one of the outfield positions or catcher, where – there's going to be a lot of guys rotating in and out this season to keep people fresh. Uh, they have a lot of talent at those areas to where you could see three or four different guys playing on uh, second base on a given weekend, uh, at catcher on a given weekend, uh, and those that that's really important to have you know kind of uh, a nice healthy rotation of players. Uh, and I think you know look defensively LSU in the you know, last year uh, fielded about ninety five percent. Uh, of their plays that's not a really great number when you're looking at kind of the metrics and statistics uh lsu has typically been a really good defensive team and and kind of hovering in that 98 percent range which is uh really really good so um you know it, it, it's you know it's a fraction of a difference but it actually makes yeah. a world of uh, yeah. a difference when you think about it because you got to get 27 outs and so uh you know it's 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 um yeah, defensively, I think you're going to see a lot of improvement out of Jordan Thompson, the shortstop. Yeah, He's working I agree. really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the pitching rotation is is just stacked. I mean, uh, Paul Skeens is going to be a, a guy out of Air Force, a transfer who could be a top five pick uh, come this summer. Uh, he's going to be your Friday night guy. Uh, you got Thatcher Hurd, who's a transfer, Ty Floyd and Grant Taylor are two guys who have really developed well in the program this offseason. Uh, Christian Little is a transfer from Vanderbilt. They got uh, so they're going to have a lot of options. And that's the word that's been thrown around a yeah. lot of the program the last couple of days is options. And so uh, that's going to be really interesting to see how those guys fit in the starting rotation. My main man, Glenn West, go to four, seven sports. He is in full baseball mode. I'm not. Yeah. That, when that field of 68 gets announced, my Tigers aren't going to be in that thing. So, uh, so anyway, uh, life goes on better days ahead, but hoops tonight Patrick Wright coming up next. Glenn, thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Jordy. Appreciate uh, you. Go, go to the box, big guy. Um, we will preview two eight and no teams in the SEC, nationally televised, standing room only crowd, Tigers Vols after this timeout. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Now that you scored an Amazon Alexa or a Google Home smart speaker for Christmas, you can now use it to listen to the game. Southwest Louisiana sports station. Just ask your Alexa or Google Home to play the game. Southwest Louisiana. It's that easy. So do the smart thing and have the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles with you. At your office, your home, and everywhere you go. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, there'll be some fun times tonight starting at 6 o'clock inside the Pete Maravich Assembly Center. A pair of unbeaten SEC teams. Kim Mulkey's LSU Tigers, 8-0, trying to get to 21-0 overall. And the uh, always good Tennessee Lady Vols, who are also 8-0 in SEC play. Patrick Wright will be on the call of the game that you can listen to here on the game. He's kind enough to join us on game day yet again. Hey, Patrick, you uh, 
you excited about this one, big guy? Yeah, yeah. This it's got a big game feel in the air. You know, it's a um, you know not many regular season games have this yeah. big feel to them. You know, Tennessee has played a lot of them this year. You know, they just yeah. got done playing UConn at home last Thursday. They lost by seventeen, but um, they've also played Stanford and and uh, a lot of the other top teams. And so this isn't going to be as big of a deal to them. It's kind of really LSU's first true big game of the year. Right. I'm, you know, the Arkansas game had kind of a big feel to it, but this is this is going to be kind of next level, and and the PMAC is is going to be rocking and rolling. There's no doubt. Yeah, Tennessee took. One approach, they scheduled a lot of heavyweights early. I think it's helped them in SEC play. Kim decided, look, we got nine newcomers. We're going to schedule light, let this team grow together. And I think that's helped them in SEC play. But you mentioned Arkansas. That was the real challenge to date uh, where Arkansas hung around. You know, you're, you're blowing teams out by 25, 26, 20, whatever it is per game in league play, maybe close to 30. What did you learn about the LSU team in that down-to-the-wire win against Arkansas? Well, even though this isn't a team that's played a lot of tight games together, um, they really kind of relied on each other. There was a shot of Angel Reese telling her teammates, look, I can't do this by myself. I need some help. You know, and Coach Mulkey talked about Alexis Morris in a team huddle. You know, the game's coming down the stretch, and, and Morris is telling her team, say, look, we need this. This is good for us. Let's, you know. Let's stick together, do what we do. And so the, the kids have a good mindset. Um, you know, they know they're talented. They know they're good. They know they need to be tested. Um, and, and with South Carolina coming up uh, a week from this coming Sunday, it's going to be two games where I think LSU really is going to be able to measure themselves to see where they do stack up. Tennessee's record may not show it. This is an extremely talented yeah. uh, team that they bring to the floor tonight. Yeah. Um I was I watched them play against UConn, so I'd have a little bit more intelligence to to talk to you about. And I'm gonna tell you what, Jordan Horston, a guard who is six yep. two, had twenty-seven points in the loss to UConn on Thursday. She's a matchup nightmare for anybody. Who does LSU put on her to try and slow her down a bit? Well, it'll be an interesting call because she is a, a an oversized guard. You know, Alexis Morris yeah. coming in at maybe five nine, that might be a good starting spot. You know, Flaugé Johnson's got a little bit more you know length to her, a little little bit more height. Still going to give up a couple inches in matchup. You know, we saw um, Coach Mulkey bring Angel Reese out and guard uh, Arkansas's best guard. I'm sorry, Alabama's best guard last Monday night. But yeah. I think Angel's going to be needed inside yeah. because Tennessee has. You know, Pat Summit built that program on rebounding. I mean, they they will rebound. Yes, um, they will. And as every coach that that LSU has had that has played against them from Sue Gunner on down, the thing we always talk about is, is you can't let them beat you on the second shot. They probably won't beat you on their first shot at second shots. They average twenty second chance points a game. So LSU is going to have to rebound, which means those guards are going to have somebody's got to step up and figure out how to slow down Horston. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patrick Wright with us. Call of the game tonight, <laughs> 6 o'clock tip right here on the game between LSU and Tennessee. Look, uh, you've seen Angel Reese up close and personal. She's fifth in college scoring at 23.7. She's second in the women's game in rebounding. 
But there's always skeptics. There's always critics. And you know what they're going to say? They're always nitpicking. Well, she hadn't done it against really good competition. Well, she has a chance to um, up her up the conversation for national player of the year. If she can do something really big tonight and something later on against South Carolina. Yeah, and I, yeah, I don't think she'll say it publicly, but I know Angel knows these things. I know that she knows that, you know, Rakia Jackson, who is the Tennessee's best interior player, another six-two, six-three kid who's very physical, who averages twenty points and six rebounds a game, is regarded as one of the best players in the nation. And she knows that she's got two great opportunities coming up to, uh, you know, as you're right, Jordy. People on social media will say and do anything to, to kind of right. pick at you a little bit, and and that that's what they're getting at her. So I, I, she's going to come out. And, and you know, and I, I know you've been listening to what what Coach Mulkey's been saying. She's been saying all week, hey, you know, Tennessee's supposed to beat us. They were picked ahead yes. of us in the SEC at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Now, as obviously, more than half of the year has gone by, and and on paper, that's not necessarily a true statement. But she's trying to get her team fired up as, as hey, look, you know, we're mm-hmm. we're perfect right now in terms of record, but we've still got to be the hunters. We can't uh, we can't lay back and and expect teams to come roll over. We got to go get them. And Angel, I think, is going to be a big part of that. I, I thought the way LSU bounced back after the Arkansas narrow win, the way they dominated Alabama, eighty nine fifty one, and the Crimson Tide. Uh, in the in the net rankings, we're in the low twenties, so that was apparent, supposedly the toughest game to date for LSU, and they manhandled them. So, what I worry well, about in a game yeah. like tonight, where it's a packed house, it's going to be a whiteout, standing room only crowd. Do you feel like this team is mature enough to handle the moment against what will most likely be the toughest opponent they've played to date? I think so. Uh, they got a good experience with that. That Arkansas game had a, a loud, feisty crowd. The Auburn game was almost sold out. Of course, Auburn was kind of an outmatched opponent, but LSU came in and, and handled themselves. You know, mm-hmm. but a note on that our, uh, Alabama team. You know, they played South Carolina yesterday in Tuscaloosa, just like we did, and they mm-hmm. kept it to a reasonable game. They only uh, yep. lost, by, I think, seventeen was the final margin. It was a low-scoring game. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, but y'all handled them easily by what thir- thirty-eight points. I mean, it wasn't even wasn't even close. Um, High-scoring game, low-scoring game, and who does that favor? I don't know because you know Tennessee was able to score a lot of points. Well, relatively, they got sixty-seven against UConn, but they gave up over eighty. Um, yeah. I think a track meet favors LSU, to be honest, because outside of Horston and Rakia Jackson, Tennessee just doesn't have a ton of firepower. So I think if LSU can make it a faster game, I think it's their benefit. I think if it's a game in the upper 50s to lower 60s, and I think Tennessee has the better edge there. Um, so these things never work out how we think they do, but I think on paper that that's what I would say. Higher scoring game, I think, is in favor of LSU. I think LSU can outscore them. We know Angel Reese has to put up numbers. Who's the next key player for LSU to play well tonight to ensure that LSU goes 21-0? and well, I think Alexis Morris has got to have an efficient shooting game. Um, you know, she doesn't have to score 20, but if she can get her 10, 12, 14 points. But I think Jasmine Carson, who has been so good the last yeah. five games, about 50% shooting threes, if she can give you something like three from six behind the arc, maybe get a couple of transition buckets, you know, I'd like to see her get her double-figure game. And, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, Flaugé Johnson also, you know, if she can give you 10 or 12. Yeah, so you don't, you don't need a spectacular game from anybody else. However, okay. if you can get what you normally get from these players, what they've been giving you, I think it, it should be enough. And, you know, LaDasia Williams, kind of the unsung hero who does all the dirty work down low, she may not put up huge numbers, but she's going to do very well defending Tennessee and, and getting some of those rebounds. So I think you get what you normally get from everybody. I think LSU will be fine tonight. Uh, broadcaster's dream, sold-out crowd, um, national television, and the radio will be popping. You'll do a great job. Have fun with it, buddy. Uh, and thank yeah. you for your time, man. Enjoy every second. All right, Jordy. We'll talk to you soon. You got it, my friend. That's Patrick Wright on the call of tonight's huge matchup between LSU and Tennessee. Uh, we'll be back with more after this timeout. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Brought to you by ShopRite, Tobacco Plus discount outlets. Man, if you can't shop right at ShopRite, I mean, seriously, you just can't shop right at all. By Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. Eon of Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches and gives you some permanent fat reduction. Valentine's Day, it's a great gift but by the Louisiana Lottery. You can't win until you start playing. By DC's Little Capital Exxon with their true soul food deli, home of the best cheeseburger your mouth has ever tasted. By Cajun Chef, turn up the taste with Cajun Chef hot sauce. And by the Aesthetic Medicine and Anti-Aging Clinics of Louisiana. Get back in the game with hormone replacement therapy. Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to the Jordy Holberg Show. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. And we are back and better than ever at 35 minutes after the hour. Please don't make me say the word that I had to say so many times a year ago. Don't tell me the Smellicans are back. Please don't tell me that. But they've lost eight in a row, and now they're eighth in the West. Ali Cassell, I need to get on the, the counselor's couch, and you need to, you need to <laughs> inform me and tell me why things are, are not as bad as they seem. From at the bird rights, um, Ali Cassell with us. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing all right, Jordy. And yeah, I'll talk you off the ledge because I'm actually feeling pretty confident that they're going to shed these losing ways, right? They've lost three, or was it 13 of their last 16, right? So they're three and 13. So it's even worse than the eight game losing streak. But look, I mm. think that this team has begun to find its rhythm offensively, and they've had it now defensively for the last five games. So you combine that with what I expect Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum to play in Denver. I think that first win could come as quickly as tomorrow, as quickly as tomorrow night. Wow, wow! That after a one thirty-five, one ten beating with you know when when you don't have Ingram, you don't have CJ, you don't have Zion. That's twenty forty-six. Right. That's seventy points right out of your lineup. So what a difference it makes! And we don't have any Giannis out there dropping fifty in thirty minutes. That's exactly right. The Pelicans, just like almost any other team, struggle with like the elite Giannis's, the LeBrons. Those guys are just unstoppable, right? But the worst part was they didn't have anybody that could match him, right, point for point on the Pelicans' side, even though we saw a lot of good things. We saw a lot of great things, actually. Kyra Lewis, 
really shine brightly to where I think hopefully he'll be now sticking to the regular rotation ahead of maybe Devontae. But Trey, yes. he found his three-point shot, right? He made four of them. Herb made two of three. And I liked in general the offense the last three quarters. Right, Their first quarter, it was terrible, right? 19 points, I think, is all they scored. But they found themselves. And, and, and it's key because it's the role players, right? Those are the guys who have been struggling. CJ was still getting you 25 points a night. Jonas, for the most part, 20. But it was the role players that have been struggling in the absence of behind Zion. So it was good to see that they kind of found some confidence. And I think that's going to translate. That stuff usually does in the NBA. Next six, all right? You're at Denver. Whew, altitude, okay. At Dallas. Yeah. Pels never play good in Dallas. You come home, the, all of a sudden the Lakers are playing pretty good basketball. That'll be a packed house on Saturday, February 4th. The Kings, my goodness gracious, who'd, who'd have thunk? You get them on Sunday, so that's a back-to-backer. Then you get the Hawks and the Cavaliers. So you've got two more road games and four at home. My, I tell you what, there's not an easy night in this league. Holly, there's just not. No, it, hasn't it felt like that ever since Zion went down, right, with injuries? Yes. I mean, outside of what, a game against Detroit, Washington, and Houston. Those are the only three that you kind of really felt confident about. So you're right. It's been a tough schedule. But I will say this. Over the remaining uh, games left, they've got the sixth easiest schedule. And like I said, you've got guys getting healthy, coming back. And um, this, this team, you know, Jordy, they, 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 you're going to take some lumps. Unless you're an elite team, every team does, right? Look at the right. standings. I mean, outside of Denver and Memphis, you go on down the list. Sacramento is third Y. They've missed 27 games to injury. The Pels, they're over 170. Right, wow. so that's been the story for most teams. The Warriors um, and, and everybody else, the Suns, right in that list. So that's why I feel confident about this team quickly turning it around. Because you go through half a season where you've got a top ten offense and defense, and, and we saw it with our own eyes. This team's legitimately a, a playoff team. So it, they just have to right the ship. And I, I feel like, like I said, it's coming. Mm-hmm. Um. Zion's going to be out, what, another week and a half before he gets evaluated yet again? Is that, uh, is that correct? That is correct. But what I previously thought that he wouldn't return for sure until the All-Star break, now I'm beginning to hear some rumors that he may actually come before that. So that sounds like that's great news, number one. Get, some, get your feet wet before the All-Star break and get back as soon as possible if you're fully healthy. So it sounds like that might be in the cards. So like I said, no more new injuries, right? The eyes back, right. CJ. If you can just get Zion back and we can see this team the way it was intended, I think we'll see some good things. It would be a terrible look. It would be outrageous if Zion stayed out and then went and go play, went and played as a starter for the All-Star team. Can't have that. He's got to get a game no, or two under his Jordan, belt. Jordan, with the I don't Pels, think the rules right? allow for that anymore, right? You've got to basically play a game or two, something like that, before the All-Star game. I, I've got to look that up. Thanks for reminding me, but I'm pretty sure you can't do it like that anymore. Yeah, I, I would hope so. <laughs> I could see Pell's fans going, really? Really? <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah, that would be a bad look, no doubt. Look, the Pelicans are spiraling, and, and for some reason your stars haven't been out on the court, right? B.I. took 29 games to overcome his toe injury, which was serious, but again, it took 29 games. And now Zion, he's going to miss X amount of games to his hamstring, and yet he returns for something that's an exhibition. Right, that wouldn't sit well with anybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would not be that would not, not be good. Ali Cassell at the Bird Rights. Um, look, you, you fall down to the the Bucks, thirty seven to nineteen. 
after the first quarter. So that that's it. Um, who who has who has stepped up? Who hasn't? Who's you know? You mentioned Kyra Lewis. He had 15 points. Trey Murphy had 16. All this is in garbage time, right? Jonas with 16. Jose with 18. Devontae with 10. Uh, Nats with 10. I mean, but who? Give me that eight-man rotation that you can count on. Do they have that? I think they do. Larry Nance, right, double-double, but you see what he gives you every night. He's battling up against centers, but he's a perfect small ball five, right, because he can switch on anybody defensively. And then he'll beat you down the court, especially when you get in transition. When the Pels get in that transition, get a couple steals, deflections, boy, that's when they're at their best. That's when Larry's at his best. And I guarantee you, he's going to start putting up more points with Brandon Ingram back. I remember at the start of the year, remember when Larry was seemingly getting, you know, at least 10 points a game? That was yeah. a big deal, I think, with, yeah. because Brandon was out there. They have a connection where he knows how to look for his center. And, you know, he hasn't had that, right? He has been gone out for a long time. So Larry's going to be one of those guys. You got to think Trey Murphy's going to be another, right? I mean, look, I know he hasn't had exactly the breakout season, but he's been solid, right? He's getting you, what, 10 to 15 points a night, making a couple of threes, doing some other things, too. I mean, you got to like Jose. I thought Jose was really good last night. You know, he yeah. went up against Drew Holiday. And as we all know from watching Drew here for seven years, that's no, that, that's not a walk in the park, right, on both right. ends of the court. And Jose right. held his own. He knocked down three three uh, threes, made some nice drives, had six assists. Like I said, going up against one of the best defenders, I thought he had a really good offensive game. So that's going to translate for you. There's three, and I didn't even mention Najee. Before it was gar- garbage time. I thought he got that Pelicans offense going, especially in the uh, third quarter, where they scored 44 points. Jordan, did you know that's the second highest scoring quarter for the Pels this season when they didn't have any of their stars? Like yeah. I said, I feel like you saw something, and you saw enough to where these guys, they're going to be fine. They finally found getting over their offensive funk, not being able to make a basket here and there, especially from three. I think that's in the rearview mirror. Every team goes through that. The problem, the problem was they scored 44, but – they couldn't stop I Milwaukee, know. who also scored you can't 44. Stop so. yeah, it's yeah, it was the Giannis freight train, right? He got him yeah. going in that first quarter, and then out of the halftime, and then by that time, you're leaving, you know, everybody out outside of Giannis shooting wide open threes, and that's what happened. You know, it's tough to yeah. beat. So, but the calendar is about to turn to that second month of the year, which means. Lots of wheeling and dealing, a lot of behind-the-scenes things going on for teams that are trying to find that one piece to the puzzle that can lift them up to be able to compete against the Denvers, um, you know, and, and the Kings and, and ward off the, uh, who I still think is going to be a factor, the Golden State Warriors. So has this slide, I know we haven't had our full complement of players, obviously, but has this slide from, at one point in time, they were right right there knocking on the door at first in the West. Now they've dropped down to eighth, and they're a hiccup away from being out of the playoffs if this, this continues. What do you think the Pels do by the trade deadline, if anything? I think now it's become a question mark. I think if you are a solid top you know, two, three, four team, then you really want to go and find that extra missing piece or two, right? So you can have a legitimate push to make a run at the finals. I don't think the Pelicans no longer feel they are one of those teams. Even though okay. probably one healthy, they still feel like they're a force. But now at this point, you really want to see what you have. And they've got so many young guys, and that's why I've always shot down any trade that involves, say, a Herb Jones, um, a Trey Murphy, 
Dyson Daniels. I don't think you move any of those key guys, not this year, because you haven't seen how they complement the stars. Because it feels like, especially what we saw at the early start of the season, that they do uh, work well together, right? They, they balance out the star shooting uh, potential of CJ, Zion, BI with great defense, right? Timely plays, rebounding, all those intangibles. So I, it just doesn't make sense saying going for OJ and a newbie for something like that. The only thing I could see them do is just, you know, some kind of minor move that's not going to lose one of these, like I said, core pieces that you really want to have a closer look at. Even Kyra. I'm, a, I'm throwing Kyra in there, too. I like him. All those guys, right? So yeah. maybe a Gary Trent from Toronto. Maybe Boyan Bogdanovich. I think we spoke about him on your last yeah. show. But somebody right. that's not going to cost a young player or two, right? Because the Pelicans, you were never aiming to win a championship this year. Now you've kind of fallen out of that race to where you don't have legitimate hopes for it anymore. It just doesn't make sense to swing big for the fences now. If a big trade happens, I think it'll happen maybe over the summer, but not now. Call me crazy, but I'm telling you, I see something in Kyra Lewis. The guy needs to play. quit sending him down to the G League, back and forth, back and forth. I think he needs more minutes. I think Devontae Graham needs to go by the way of uh, of Garrett Temple. And I'm sorry, I'm going younger. I'm going quicker. I like Kyra Lewis. I really do. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Jordy. We were noticing him before he started playing in games when he was just practicing, right, with the main guys. Just how fast and how effective he mm. looked. Yes. I remember him blowing by everybody. But on top of that, the jumper looked good. He seemed yep. to have this you know, nice aggression with his game, but confidence too. Something, you know, he lacked, honestly, uh, his first two years before he got hurt. I feel like he's got him. We really saw it last night. So just like Jose kind of came out of nowhere and cemented himself uh, a rotation spot, I think Kyra has done basically the same thing. And we're going to see a change soon to where he's going to get regular minutes, even if we don't get that trade deadline first. Um, because I have a feeling that they've been wanting Devontae and Jackson to showcase them if at all possible, right? I know they've been struggling, right. so it's hard to showcase a struggling player, but yet I know that they've been on a trade block now for, you know, for Devontae about a year, Jackson yep. on and off for the last year. So, yeah, it's coming. Whether Kyra starts playing regularly, say, in the next game or maybe in a couple weeks, it's going to happen. You are so, I love your optimism. You think the Pels are going to go into, into Denver and beat the best team in the West on their home court in that altitude. I love you, Ali Cassell. I hope you're right. But I'm not betting my money on it, big guy. Not now. No, Jordan. Uh-uh. I'm, I'm not either. But I'll tell you what, though. I had, you know, I can kind of sense things around this team because I'm around them so much. And I, I called yep. it right when Zion Zion went down that I was worried about the immediate future. And the fans gave me grief, right? No, no, no. They've been fine without all these guys. And I'm like, no, I feel storm clouds are coming. And it happened. <laughs> but now I honestly feel like I've seen enough to I think a turnaround's coming. Now, whether it's tonight or, excuse me, tomorrow night or maybe, say, against the Mavericks. But I do think that first win's coming before this weekend, right? That weekend's going to be so big. Lakers, Kings, oh, yeah. you got to get two yeah. wins there. Yeah, boy. I love it. Ali Cassell at the Bird Rights, you've – I am off the couch. I am off the cliff. I feel much better about the Pelicans. So thank you, sir. Thank you. Absolutely. I hope that now I hope they get one of these next two. Otherwise, I am going to throw away my phone. (laughs) (laughs) I will not call you. I promise. I will not (laughs) rant on you. I promise. Ollie, thank you, man. Good. uh, Have a great afternoon. Absolutely. Thanks, Jordy. Bye-bye. All right. We'll uh, we'll be back to wrap things up after this final timeout. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
We told you earlier, and we're going to tell you again, the undefeated LSU women's basketball team takes on Tennessee in the Pete Maravich Assembly Center tonight. Pre-game begins at 5.30. Tip is set for 6. And you can listen to all the action right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. You know the routine. Eat, drink, sleep, and sports. All day, every day. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We're back 52 minutes after the hour. Um, I'm looking at, uh, I'm thinking about, just, just remember, not very long ago, 2019, we talked about LSU's quarterback room with um, Jaden Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer and, at the time, a Walker Howard. And who knows how they will all turn out down the road. Uh, but look at 2019, Alabama's quarterback room, Mac Jones, Jalen Hurts, and Tua Tagovailoa. All three starting in the NFL in one quarterback room. And I remember for years and years, like LSU needed a, needed a quarterback. Well, they didn't. So it just, you just never know. And, and I don't know if anyone projected, and you got to give Jalen Hurts all the credit in the world for the work he's put in to become the quarterback that he has become. It's pretty darn uh, interesting and exciting and, and good for him. Good for him. I don't know how you defend that Philadelphia Eagle offense with the way their ability to run, the ability of the quarterback to run, and then the weapons they have on the outside. Sheesh, Luis. They got a little bit of and that offensive line that protects. That's whoo, that's that's significant. Just ask Joe Burrow. I mean, my God, sacked five times. How many tackles for loss did the Chiefs have? forcing Joe to throw that ball up for grabs. He had two interceptions very easily. Could have been four, a couple of drops that were there. Man, that was uh, Kansas City really got the pressure on Burrow. And I don't care how great of a player you are, and Joe Burrow's a great quarterback. You get in their face quickly, and <laughs> they'll bring you back down to earth quickly, quickly. So um, you could just see that tendency. You could see Philadelphia getting getting in there. Time and time again, and, you know, you can only protect a quarterback so much, and I feel for the 49ers. Golly. Four quarterbacks hurt during the season, and and the kid was on the roll um, coming out of nowhere and had elevated them, and he was four for four to start the game, and he gets hurt, and he can't throw the ball. He can't play. So, anyway, um, you play with what have what you've gotten. Sometimes you got to get lucky. Sometimes luck is not on your side. But the two best teams are there: Kansas City and Philadelphia. So you got brothers playing for the first time together, first time against one another in a Super Bowl, and you've got Andy Reid, who coached Philly, now coaching the Chiefs. Uh, interesting. We got weeks to talk about it, weeks and weeks to talk about it. Special thanks to our guest today, Chris Rosevaglu, who talked about all of that. Is Sean Payton still in the running for Arizona? Is he still in the running for Denver? Or is he heading back to the broadcasting world? We'll know soon. We'll know very, very soon. Glenn West. 
from Go247Sports. Patrick Wright on the call of tonight's huge matchup, LSU-Tennessee on the women's side. And Ali Cassell, who says, hey, this streak is about to end. The the Pels are going to be in great shape. I certainly hope he is correct. If today is your birthday, January 30th, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share yours with Phil Collins, Susu Studio, 72 years young. James Mesh, thank you. Thank you to all of you for listening in whatever form or fashion that you do. Thanks to our partners that make it possible. Until tomorrow. I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay healthy. Do everything you can there. Let's be kind to one another and be happy. So long, everybody.